Well, Michelle, you are absolutely right about those dates. Marty and Rust was 2012. That was the time they figured out their crime. Yeah, I, I thought it was later. So I no, thought I was, it was, but I wasn't sure. And I thought it was way before, but I was so wrong. Man, we had a we had a listener help us out with some timelines that I went back, and then I went back and looked up the dates of all the episodes in season one. But um, yeah, you were right. 2012 was when they figured out that case. They jumped around in time, kind of like we did this season. Yeah, I, I didn't remember that. I didn't remember it happening like that. But um, but they did, and I, I appreciate that. He he sent that uh, that whole timeline. It was exactly what I needed to make a whole lot better sense last week than I actually was making. So that was great. Yeah, Sean, a listener from Canada. So season one started in 1995, jumped to 2002, and then closed on 2012. So it's right in the wheelhouse of of these times, actually, very overlaid with these times. Yeah, and it was kind of cool too. I didn't really think about it at the time, but it but it really was. It's um, they started out the same way with interviewing um, one of them. Which one was it? Was it Rust or? I can't remember. Rust or Hart. I don't remember either. Yeah. Yeah. But they started out interviewing them about a previous crime when they weren't, you know, even part of the force anymore. I thought it was really, and, and I didn't remember that. I didn't remember it being so connected like that. But, um, but yeah, that and with the time jumps and everything. So, Michelle, this is our final episode of this season. So, spoilers. We don't have a spoiler section. We just have spoilers throughout the whole thing. So, Michelle, how did you like this final episode? Um, I've heard a couple of different takes on it. People either seem to really like it or really not like it. I thought it was just almost, I mean, almost perfect I felt like it gave us enough to allow us to draw our own conclusions, but just barely. And, I mean, when you really think about it, this was about the girl. This was about finding Julie, and everything else was was in, in relation to that. It was about everything being okay with her and finding her okay. And when they told us she was dead of HIV, I was like, very unsatisfied with that. It it wasn't that it wasn't a happy ending. It was because it was a bad ending. It was because we didn't get to see her story at all. Nothing about her. We didn't get to connect with her. Um, this person that had consumed us, it had consumed Hayes and Wes the whole time and she was just unceremoniously gone. It was just like, okay, she was here. Now we're never going to know anything. We know she was out there somewhere and now she's gone. Even after they found out everything else, it just wasn't enough for me. And in that scenario, Hayes and Wes got their ending. You know, they got their closure, even though it wasn't something that they wanted. But even though they skated like on the sidelines of her life. This wasn't about them. This was about her. And I have to believe that they would rather Julie be okay and happy and tending gardens and caring for a little girl named Lucy and them never know that than to get their conclusion to her detriment. But it wasn't perfect because 
there was a couple things that were confusing to me. Um, we never found out anything at all that I could discern about Rebecca and why she had left. They didn't tell anything and they kind of made that like an issue. And, um, I was actually afraid in the car when she was having this conversation with her dad and she said, I miss you now and how they've kind of like shown people from uh, his past coming back. I didn't know if she was even there and I didn't know if he was even there. I thought maybe he had collapsed and that whole thing had just been um, something in his mind when that happened because it was really weird when she said, I miss you now. I didn't really get that. I mean, I do get it that you could say that to somebody who has dementia. I get that. Or or you could feel that way, not that you would necessarily say it. But that was kind of funny. I also have no idea why they had Henry having the affair with Eliza. I thought that was kind of, I don't know, um, like telling us that Amelia had a UTI at some point or something. It's just it didn't really seem to have any relation to the storyline. I guess that's picking a little bit. But it it was almost perfect. And I'm so glad it wasn't like this pedophilia ring because that would have just cheapened it to me to turn it into something bigger because it was enough that this was a story about a little girl and a little boy whose life was destroyed. It didn't have to be bigger than that. That was enough. And it was enough to me that the politicians would throw these kids under the proverbial bus, not caring if their abductors ever were brought to justice they didn't have to be mixed up in something bigger. It was bad enough as it was. The evil was enough. So I thought it was perfect. Almost, almost perfect. Yeah. I think pick, you know, pick your direction. You can find ways to justify loving it and hating it. The whole, this whole story. Um, I think Pizzolatto accomplished what he was trying to do. I just don't know if I'm, I don't know if I like his plan. I think he was trying to write this with built-in Reddit defenses. So he threw in all these red <laughs> herrings that sent people on these false leads that satisfied kind of, it kind of, he knew that people were going to be true detectives at home on their computers, doing all the searches and theorizing and conspiracy m- manipulation and building up all these thoughts and theories and stuff. Um, but he not only dropped red herrings on us, Michelle, but He weaponized them. He created a, you know, that's what Eliza was. She was there to help enhance those red herrings. She suggested those things. Don't you, did you ever think there was a greater conspiracy? Like she, you know, he, he made that part of this plan of his storytelling. Sure. But, but, but there had to be something there in 2015. There couldn't have just been nothing because there would have been no way to tell the story. So I think she was probably, a very important part of him telling the story and telling it the way he remembered it and telling it the way he wanted to remember it, wanted her to know it or wanted us to know it and then go back and show us how it actually was. But I just didn't get the part with her and Henry. I don't see what that had to do with anything. Well, it got complicated very slowly and then it got simple very quickly. It kind of did what you were saying you were afraid it was going to do and that it wrapped it up like, a million miles an hour at the end after all these clues and all these loose ends like built up and up and up even through episode seven and then it got resolved in episode eight so it's pretty manipulative like you know what like what did tom see when he peeked into that pink room that was so horrifying when roland and 
Wayne went in there. It was, you know, I guess, I guess Tom realized that that was, that was her drawings. That was her interpretation of what, you know, that's where she was, but it wasn't pornographic. It wasn't like, you know, Julie sitting in a family portrait with a whole different family. It was just nothing. Well, the, the mural, but that was all. Yeah. But remember she had drawn before. And so I know I it was he, just, oh, so this is what she was drawing. So right. I don't know. I, I, I guess I, I like Pizzolatto for a lot of reasons though. I mean, he's, I just like the, I like his, his grasp of what we like in culture. I mean, just elements of other TV shows. I keep bringing them into this, but just like the shield when Wayne was in his crappy new job at the typewriter in the typing room with those ladies, that was like Vic Mackey in the shield stuck in his petty crappy job where, you know, he's a manhunter, he's a tracker. And then he looks up and sees the sign, no personal phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. No, he had breaking bad elements with the, with the bar fight. Hank went in and had that bar fight. I mean, even Merle, even Hoyt in the junk, in the in the woods with with Wayne. That's you know, that's breaking. That's um, Walking Dead. That that just it just reminded me of all these other shows that I liked when they were in the peak of their, you know, their their best moments. The well, to- see, all the Tower of Joy stuff with looking back over your shoulder when he's at the fire and sees sees his past. All that stuff, you know. That's that's our modern TV nowadays. Yeah, and it's real life. This story was told like real life. We don't always find the answers when we seek them. It doesn't always work out like that. Like when Hayes finally found her and then he he lost her because of his mind. That kind of stuff is like a real life thing. It was a terrible, frustrating you know, I just wanted to scream because I wanted him to have his resolution too, but it's real life stuff. It doesn't have to be bigger than that. And I love that the story was told in that way, personally. Well, Occam's razor was in total effect in this whole damn thing, Michelle. There was no Mark Ardoin, Mike Ardoin scouting kids for evil purposes. There was no pedophile ring. There was no false Tom's fathering of Julie. You know, all this stuff, all these theories. No gay Tom and Roland. Um, and it looks like Becca was never really lost. He just misses her. He just Yeah, uh, but, but Henry kind of alluded, and Henry's wife, Heather, kind of alluded that, that she was, that it was something bigger. I... I if it were just Hayes that that had alluded to that, I could have accepted that ending with her. But it wasn't just him. Well, so, you know, you said real life. Maybe they had, a, you know, people have arguments and they have times when they're, you know, I'm not talking to you for a couple of days. Maybe that's stuck in his lost mind for a while and he made it a lifetime thing. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it was... but but Henry was talking about it. You know, it was like they he 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 glanced at his wife whenever Rebecca was brought up, like like oh we can't talk. Like it was something bigger. It's almost like they they cut some scene with her that we should have known something. Well, maybe it's like Henry glancing at his wife because oh here's Dad again, not remembering that there's not anything really to worry about with Becca. Becca's response was pretty convincing to me in the car. Like, no, there's not. She wasn't misleading him. I think I think he just lost her in his mind somehow. He created some rift. 
I accept that. I mean, that's pretty believable in the context of his dementia. Sure, I accept that as well. I just didn't like that they set that up. Look, I don't mind when they're investigating a case and you do go off of exits as you're going down the freeway of this case and they're they're dead ends and I accept that. But don't put stuff in these shows like like Rebecca, like there was something going on with her because that's not relevant to the story. And so it just doesn't make any sense to me to, to do that like that and have Henry doing it and Henry's wife doing it. And, um, everybody like, you know, I mean, because that wasn't something that they didn't need to tease us with something that went on with Rebecca when nothing had went on with her, because that wasn't relevant to anything. You can, you can tease us with everything else and show us the real life stuff. And if something went on with Rebecca that was a problem, fine. You know, tell us about that. But don't act like there was. And then there's just absolutely nothing. She was fine. Yeah, I just picture Pizzolatto standing over his fish tank, sprinkling his little fish food every day of his, for his Reddit. You know, here you go, little Reddit people. Here's your little clues. Go go nuts. You know, he had his own story to tell and, and, and kind of throw out all that flack to mislead people. It, you know, in the end, it's a feel-good story, albeit maybe one that's a little bit strong-armed into place with how it came to such a quick ending. Yeah, um, but there was only eight episodes. And that was... I try not to read anything before I, I do this uh, podcast because I really like the ideas to be my own. And sometimes I do, but I try not to do that. But my daughter watched it too, my oldest daughter. And so we talked about it and she did not like it. She was really like upset about it. She didn't because, like the ending or the whole thing? Um, She loved the season, but she didn't like the ending. She felt like it was quick and just kind of thrown at us at the end. And, 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 and of course, she doesn't watch it to podcast it, which is different. Um, but so so she wasn't that into it, but just like watching it as a casual watcher, if you can be a casual watcher of anything Pizzolatto, um, she just felt like Okay, first of all, she thought, and I, I see where she got this, but she thought that Sam Whitehead, the black guy with the one eye, was the same guy at the end, just because she didn't, you know, look at the cast names or whatever, and they, so, you know, I was like, no, this this guy, um, Watts, was not the Sam Whitehead guy, and um, so that, that was confusing to her, and... Um, there was something else really. Oh, oh, she was so frustrated that West and Hayes didn't didn't get their ending. She How just, did they she, not get their ending? Because the last thing they knew was dead Julie in the graveyard. Yeah, but they but Pizzolatto left that note. Or not, not Pizzolatto. No, it wasn't a note. Henry <laughs> finds that address that he sticks little wafers. And he keeps it. Yeah. Right. Right. And I told her that. And she's like, yeah, but if it's like my house, he'll leave it in his pants and his wife will wash his pants. No, he's a good detective. You know, he's not, No, so, I know. I know. But a, it, it was just, you know, we didn't get to see it. 
And I think she wanted to see that. And I understand that. I wanted to see it too. But I was, I I would have loved to have seen Hayes and West's face when they found her. Even if it was 45 years later. It, well, you saw, you saw Hayes' face when he found her. No, not, not really. Not really we didn't because he didn't. He was so excited going there. He was so excited when all this stuff came to him. And then he got there and he couldn't remember anything. So well, we he, did he had a brief moment of recognition and then he forgot it. But he he had a moment where he knew that what he had found. Okay, I'm not sure Michelle, I got do you that. Know, do you know Nick Pizzolatto has an Instagram? I don't think. Yeah. Yes, I did. He answers in the final episode. He answer. uh, People are asking him a million questions. What happened to Amelia? What? Why why this? What? And he answers all those questions in his Instagram. And he he knows it's Julie. And then he forgets a minute later. So yeah, he he gets the glass. If you rewatch the scene with the glass of water. He's drinking the water. They have real ominous music, like, ooh, she poisoned the water. You know, she knows he's after her, and she's going to eliminate him as a tracker for her. But, no, they put in this ominous music, and he looks at them like, oh, holy shit, this is Julie. Just for a second. But then he forgets. You know, he forgets a minute later. You mean while he's drinking the water? Yeah. Watch it again. Look at it. Look at his eyes and just watch it. He knows he's looking at her, and he's looking at Lucy, and he knows it's them. Okay, I didn't get that at all. I didn't. I didn't get that at all. I don't. Well, he ne- couldn't forget something he didn't know. So, if he, and then read Pizzolatto's Instagram. You know, he says he forgets a second later. So he, you know, his. Okay, but come on, they can't do that. Okay, this this is one of the things that aggravates me with the sponsored podcast of these episodes, where they get the people that wrote the stuff on the podcast talking about it. It's not a they, podcast. It's it's Instagram. No, no. I'm just saying. But there are podcasts for TV shows where they do that, and um, then then they explain what they meant us to get, and that's not fair. You can't. You don't get a second chance as a writer, director, actor, anything to then go back and tell us what we should have gotten. In that scene, you get the one chance, and that is as we're watching it. And it needs to be something longer than if we blink, we're going to miss it. Because I didn't get that at all. And and if he meant it to be like that, it should have been more obvious. Because I'm watching this to podcast it, and I'm watching it more than one time. Did you get that before you read that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because I, I, I mean, just you, did. it's certainly an argument that if you have to explain it later, it wasn't done very well originally in the story. But I, I think I got it in the story. I, you know, I think it was pretty profound moment. The little girl, when she bumps into those guys on the sidewalk, you're like, holy shit, that little girl looks an awful lot like Julie. And then her name's Lucy. I mean, that's when it started to fall into place for me. Like, this has got to mean got to mean something. Well, sure, sure. And I mean, I knew it then. I knew it then, but they didn't even get that then. I don't know. If they have to go back and explain to us what they meant, that's very 
it's it's not fair. It's not fair TV. You can't go, oh, well, see, it did work out this way because he explained it on Instagram that he meant it to be this way. You don't get to do that. That's a cheat to me. Well, I mean, that's certainly an argument. But, you know, I think some people did see it the way that he intended it. Sure, sure. And that's that that's great. I'm just saying they... I don't know. I guess, I mean, it's a different time for TV, isn't it? It's more interactive now. Well, and like I said, I think Pizzolatto knew this going in, that he would have to defend some of the conspiracies and send people on false little trails to keep, to feed that hungry beast of the conspiracy crowd. So which side did you come down on? What? Which side of what? Did you love it or did you hate it? Well, I think, like I said, you can pick a direction and find reasons to love it or hate it. Um, I'm a little disappointed. I think it, I think it's a little bit of a too quick of an ending. But but the more I think about it, I like some other things that happen in this episode. That I, I like Pizzolatto's writing a lot. I like his themes a lot. And I think he's a very romantic writer. Like, I think he writes about things between men and women that are just fascinating to me. Um, I think this story of a crime came in for a pretty fast landing, but I liked his other themes that he had woven in between everything else. Yeah, I I mean, I can see that. And I agree that it came in, it came in quickly, but it had to, I mean, it had to. How they let like, us I don't, up to I don't it. think this was a story of Julie and, and a crime. I think it was a story of Amelia and Wayne, and, and I, a very personal story of Roland and Wayne. I, I don't think it was a true detective story so much as it was the theme of human interaction. Well, yeah, and well, obviously, I mean that's that's what all stories are right really kind of unless it's a documentary or something no, but you watch it you watch an old humphrey bogart crime detective story it's a crime story this is not so much a crime story oh i thought it was definitely a crime i i i, I don't see that like that but i do think that i don't know so much of that was confusing to me and and I, I I loved this. I love the fact that we get to draw our own conclusions about the ending of it. I love that they told us enough that we know it. But like the whole Amelia and Hayes conflict, the whole, throughout you know much of their lives that they showed us, I, I don't understand that. I don't understand what that had to do with the story that they were trying to tell us. I kept, I'm not articulating this well. I liked it, but I thought it was going to go somewhere. It was like, they just put this stuff out there and then they just left it. And I'm saying all this and I I'm definitely in the pro camp, but all of the conflict between them. See, I think it was about Julie. It was about how something can grab a hold like it, it it gets its clutches into your life and it just doesn't let go and it alters your whole entire life this one thing and I, and they even talked about that in this how it did with Amelia and Hayes relationship well it altered a whole town's life it wiped out a whole town essentially 
you know, the, right. the town went, right. the town disappeared because of this crime. Right. I know. I mean, you find you find what affects you, what touches you about a story, and I guess you know the fact that Pizzolatto spins all this, all this thought and conjecture by people that talk about it and think about it, wonder about it, conspira- conspiracy theory about it. That's a pretty good writer to get people to think that much, you know. And it's pl- it's plausible enough that you can say, well, maybe the, some of those theories were right, or you know, they had they had merit. Even if they turned out to be false leads, it was a pretty good story. Pretty good, pretty damn good writing, I think. And we got to see Merle. Good old Merle. I don't think I've seen him in anything since. Since he was Merle. Turns out he was just a just a victim of this as much as anyone else. He's kind of a tough dealt with it with tough uh, repercussions, but he was just as much a victim as. Anybody else? This is really all because of a car accident, if you think about it. Yeah, well, well, yeah, car accident, and then everything kind of just just fell together. But you know, you have to think about the position he was put in when all of this happened, and what his choices were. Yeah, you know, Vanity Fair had a podcast, Michelle. They nailed this. They way back in like episode three or four or whatever. They, you know, Hoyt knew nothing of this mess. He was just instantly, innocently in Africa, and he comes home to this shitstorm. You know, he dealt with it with a pretty heavy fist, but he was he was like innocent, essentially. He dealt with it pretty viciously, but he wasn't a master of a. You know, powerful politician ring of pedophiles. Right, You're just a guy trying to get through life. Well, it's we actually whole- pretty nice to Watts. Watts hurts his eye, and is when he was not a rich guy, and he kept him along through his whole career as like uh, you know, saying a way of saying I'm sorry this happened to you. Well, I don't know if I mean is is that why he did it? Because remember, Sam Whitehead said that. Um, you know, a lot of people got hurt on the line, yeah. and he didn't keep them all on. Yeah, but but we get a whole new timeline in this. We start off the episode with Amelia doing the voice reading of a poem, which takes us back to episode one. Which I love how they do that. I love how they come full circle with stuff like this. But she's older, and we find out that Hayes is the chief of campus security at the University of Arkansas, which is pretty cool. We find out what he did after he left in 1990, which they've kind of kept secret the whole time. And um, and that's Pizzolatto's old school. Oh, is it? That's Yeah, yeah, I think you said that. So that's pretty cool. And we get to see that that kind of whole timeline thing. And, and the way they looked at each other, I mean, he stopped by the room and looked in her room and she's reading this poem which is what he did in episode one and he's kind of like infatuated with her all over again and she smiles at him she's glad he's there so i liked that because they get we don't know anything about amelia or what or oh that was another thing that frustrated my daughter she wanted to know what happened to amelia you know how did she die what happened to her and we didn't find out anything and i didn't think it really mattered as far as the storyline goes, but it mattered to her. So I'll say in Pizzolatto's defense, he says in his Instagram that he had scenes in there that got cut due to time. 
So this isn't just him freehandedly making this story exactly how he wants it. He's, you know, he's limited to what the network gives him for time. Right. So he had a scene of what happened to Amelia, and he got it cut out. Got cut out. But he says what happens to her. If you want to know, she, she, um, she dies in her sleep in 2013, and he doesn't say of what. He just peacefully in her sleep she dies in 2013. Okay. Well, that, I mean, that's important. I mean, it, like I said, not so much to the story, but that's important. It was important to my daughter to know that. So we knew she was gone. I mean, you got to, I guess, I guess it's, I, I wanted to know it. I mean, I was kind of pleased to read it that I had an answer, but we knew she was gone and maybe that was all the story needed that, you know, these guys are professional story creators. So they, they figured that's all you need to know. She's been gone for two years. And we kind of right. knew that in 2015, she was gone for, had been gone for two years. So, I don't know. It's economics, right? They have only so much time that they can devote you know, right. to cut stuff. Right, but then, you know, I mean, cut the Henry Eliza thing. You know, cut some of the conflict. We saw so much conflict between Amelia and Hayes earlier. I mean, cut that and give us 15 seconds of him finding her, you know, waking up and finding her gone or whatever. I think it would have, I, I don't know. Um, but <laughs> it's easy to be an armchair critic, I guess, of this. But um, Michelle from TN, author of True Detective <laughs> Season 4. Yeah, absolutely not. Look, I can tell a car is not running. That doesn't mean I know how to fix it. So, um, but I, I just like that. I think it showed us that, that they were good. And so after their 1990 conflict, after all that, which they show us in this, that they ended up good. They ended up, they, they came full circle. So hopefully after 1990, they had a very good relationship until 2013. So, well, and even that's good. That's just life. You know, that's everything comes to that for all of us. So, that was good. I mean, that's that's life. And then we go to 1990, and um, Wayne is in the car with Hoyt. And they're driving deep into the woods. So they take us back exactly where they left us off last time, which was scary. That was scary to me. Now, Hoyt is drinking whiskey straight from the bottle. Um, This was not at all how I pictured Hoyt. I pictured him to be this businessman in this suit and tie and everything. And we get Merle. But they get out and go for a walk. It was interesting how Hoyt tried to relate to him on his military experience, that he was in Korea, and and so he knows that that Hayes was in Vietnam and that he understands triage. He's essentially admitting everything without telling him anything. Yeah, I liked I liked this version of Hoyt. I was surprised of it too. I did I expected also like the the th- you know three the vested three piece suit businessman sure. getting Merle was beautiful though he was a hard drinking essentially another version of Wayne that was in another war you know the war before the one you got stuck in and turned you into an alcoholic I was stuck in one and I'm just dealing with shit that rains down on me sometimes in life just kind of like you are I really like this I think this is brilliant. Yeah, I did. T- and the Harris James thing, that whole conversation they had about him, 
Hoyt knew. He knew what they had done. He watched the the video of them following Harris James when he left. Yeah, he knew to a point. So he, he answered that question that we had, like, how the hell could he have figured this out in six hours? Well, he saw the video, a guy following my man's car with his car. That's enough. That's all really he needed to know to be suspicious of, of Wayne. Well, right. Not only that, but that his pager had a GPS in it. Yeah. So he knew exactly where he was, not just sort of where he was. He knew where he was buried. Well, they he could've... thought he had a he had, he was right, but he didn't know. He said, "Look, do we need shovels?" Like he he guessed correctly. I don't think he knew to the nth degree. He just guessed correctly. He knew what probably happened. It was pretty quick, though, because we have to think about it. This happened the night before. So this is the next morning. Um, Hayes and Amelia were sitting there having coffee and having this conversation. The kids were still at home. They weren't even in school yet. So we have to assume that Harris James wasn't even late to work yet when they found this out. So I'm not really sure why he would have even been looking for him at that point. I think that might have been a little slip up on their part. But he had, Hoyt at that point had seen the video, ran the GPS, figured out where he was. And we have to remember, this is 1990. This isn't now. There wasn't, it had to have been harder to have done the GPS stuff and stuff like that. You didn't just pull it up on the Internet. I believe it, though. I mean, when the head of your security goes missing and you're a guy that needs thinks he needs security, it's pretty serious. So I I think right away, if you page him or beep him, whatever whatever you used to call that, and he doesn't respond, I think you get suspicious really quick. Right. So what did you think about Hoyt's choices back then? When you really think about his choice, he was on safari— and he comes back to this. And what was his choice? Well, he was protecting his family, which I think he did it brutally. But I think I think they started enough of this shit storm that it was on. He couldn't trace your footsteps back. Like he's in he's in Africa for weeks while this happens. Right. They're just meeting Julian Will like for for fun, quote unquote fun in the woods, you know, just visit, right. visit time until she goes really nuts and they actually take her. And then we saw what happened when she grabbed her and pulled her and pushed Will away. Right. Hoyt isn't there for any of this. He's, he's off and he comes home. They have her in a room drugged and he's like, holy shit, what, what the hell have you been up to? And he's, he doesn't step back and go and correct it he goes forward and corrects it doesn't correct it but deals with it right i'm just saying what a i mean that i think what they showed us was that hoyt and and not just hoyt hoyt west okay hoyt and west it was it's so deep hoyt and west were very um family centered they 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 realized the value in the family and Hayes had this family and couldn't even open up to them so that was a really interesting little twist to it not that West had a family but that 
several times in this stuff was brought up and Wes said, you know, must be nice, have a family, must be nice, that kind of thing. The thing that Wes had all along that he kind of took for granted maybe or or didn't uh, didn't engage with mm-hmm. Hoyt did. Hoyt loved his family. I think they showed us that a lot or that that was definitely the story. And so this was terrible to him. Mm-hmm. I think I think his family put him in a position that he didn't there was have no many winning. choices. No, no, it was either literally dis- his his wife was gone. All he had left was his daughter, and the only choice he had was to either throw her under the bus or allow this to go on. And we have to stop and think too: what would have happened to Julie had he? thrown his daughter under the bus Mm -hmm. she would have went back with tom which tom loved her that's another thing we didn't find out was whether tom um was actually her father or not i don't think we have any reason to not believe to believe he wasn't anymore i mean i think he was Maybe. I don't know. Uh, who knows about Lu- Lucy? Was if there's an evil person in this whole thing? It's l- the original Lucy. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Okay, but while they're out in the woods, woods, Hayes asks him if there's something he wants to get off his chest, um, and he just wants to know. He just wants to know the. He's he's like, tell me. And then this is where it comes up that if. The police keep looking for her. They're going to have to keep looking for her and find her first because he is not going to essentially allow this to destroy everything. And he kind of makes that clear with Hayes. And then he leaves him out there. He's torn up by all this. You know, they they talk in code as they semi-threaten each other. But, you know, they're two old army vets that different different wars, but different ages. But they, you know, they're fighting. With with threat, veiled threats. Right. It was pretty cool, pretty great scene, I think. Yeah, and he makes him walk. He'll walk home from the. Yeah, world. and that's a pretty good way out there, you know. I don't know, Michelle. I've never been out there. Well, man, good point. Me either. Okay, then we go to 2015, and Hayes and West are talking to Harris James' wife at work, and she tells them about the um, one-eyed man Junius, and um, that he had came after Harris James disappeared and asked if he had ever found the girl and she thought it was about a girlfriend and it upset her. So that was the end. That's but pretty they, creepy too, huh? That, that Harris's wife never ever figures out what happens to Harris. It's re- Yeah. You don't think about that. Here she is working as looks like some kind of aid in a nursing home or something, an assisted living home and how, it really messed up her life, presumably. You know, she's older here. I mean, they're they're all older, but she's older and she's having to work at this job. I mean, I don't know. Maybe she's volunteering or something, but it didn't look like it. And all because of this. What would you so, do if your spouse just disappears one day and never comes back and you never find out? You don't know if they're dead or alive, living another life with another woman or what she just i mean he's so good at his job that she probably didn't even realize he was up to all this nefarious crap with the hoyts right right 
So that was pretty interesting thing. And then we see them driving down the road and it's kind of cool how they've shown them driving down the road the whole time to them a little nostalgic for that already. But they figure out that Junius was Mr. June, June, Junius Watts and all that. And Wes says that he checks state records and Hoyt's place is empty. No one's living there. So they talk about, um, the area that the maid brought up that no one was allowed in. And so they're going to, head there but then we go back to 1980 and Hayes and West are getting chewed out about the article that Amelia wrote so this was that 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 was a good little wrap-up thing and what happened um they tell him essentially that even West kind of threw him under the bus but I don't know that West had any other option other than to do that and that he has to write his own op-ed essentially saying that Amelia is a liar and wrote this without his cooperation. And he kind of balks at it and they said, we'll write it, but you're going to sign it. And West is even telling him, you know, you need to make this right, that it can't be like this and that he has to do it or he's going to be demoted or he can just quit. Those are his choices essentially. So then we go to him clearing out his desk and West tells him that this is pride and he's got to give him another chance. And this is what he's going to do. And he goes into all of it. He's going to sign the paper. They're going to move on and Hayes won't do it. He says, he's not going to throw her under the bus. And you have to admire him for that because he is the one who told her and they've made that very clear to go ahead and do this. He didn't like what was going on. And this was his way to, Essentially, yes. Well, to protect her, but also to not let the story die the way they wanted it to die. To not let them just dead end this without at least something else coming out. But I like how I like how Wayne, in this way, way earlier time, parrots the words that Roland tells him way back when they're older, like a couple of episodes ago. He said, "You never called me, and we, we never Mm -hmm. had a beer. We never even went to a game." And Wayne says, hey, we can still grab a beer and go to a game. Like, this is where Roland pulls that out of his old memory from when they're separating on their, you know, their their partnership in this job. Right. Right. West sees that it's that this move is going to change everything between them. And it's like Hayes is so angry that he doesn't even consider everything that it's going to change. But then we go back to them at the overgrown Hoyt estate, cutting through the chained gate. And, and Hay says, what if somebody catches us? And Wes says, oh, we're just old and confused. So that was. Yeah. Stephen Dorff, man, he, he killed it in this, in this episode and this, and this season. He's got probably tons of acting roles because of this job he did in this story. Is really good, really good. And then they end up in the pink room. They find the area pretty quickly, it looks like. And it's not just a room, it's a whole apartment down there. We we get to see it, though. We finally see it with the mural on the wall drawn in crayon. And um, Wes is mad. He's mad. He's saying, what were we doing these 25 years? And... Hayes says he thought he was doing the right thing by his family. And when we think about it, what could Hayes have done? 
What could he have done? If he had continued the search for Julie in 1990, we know that Hoyt was going to have her found first. He had more clues than they did, or likely, that finder first. And he would have been essentially, potentially, signing her, you know, death warrant by doing that. Maybe, yeah. I I was satisfied with the Julie not being found. I was pretty dissatisfied with the pink room, though. I I found it a little unbelievable that the whole Hoyt estate is protected by one stupid chain that two old guys can cut and walk in and wander around. I mean, why isn't that vault sealed? Why isn't that door that he turns the lock and it just opens? And the vault, the vault, like a bank vault, is just sitting open. Yeah, but they're gone. I know, they're but all why, dead. so why is that property? That's a pretty nice house. It's a. It was in escrow or something. It was not escrow. It was not escrow. It was in. Uh, what did they say? It was because there the was fault? no fighting over the estate or something. I thought they said. Oh, I didn't get catch that. But I just thought, why such a valuable piece of property is you know un, unattended, on un, no no families there and. Well, there is no family. I mean, no, you know. Well, new owner. Why isn't why isn't a valuable right. thing like that being possessed by somebody? They said something about the they they said it when they were driving that it was that it was empty because and I can't remember the words they used, but something I took as they were waiting to get it all sorted out. I mean, it hasn't been that many years, right? Since since they're all gone, what two or three years? I don't know that timeline. I, don't, I can't. I don't remember. But then the lighting changes, and Hayes glances over his shoulder and sees 1990 Hayes in the bar, just as 1990 Hayes glances to the empty seat that would have been where 2015 Hayes was sitting. I love that. I love this. I love everything about that. People that don't like that, I completely appreciate it, but I just love how they do that. Amelia comes in, and she sits down. She... Uh, brings up him burning his clothes. She talks about the whole thing. They're talking. She wants to know what was going on. Yeah, he and doesn't go. He doesn't. Their important talk was that morning. He gets interrupted by Hoyt, and then he doesn't go home. He goes to the bar. I could see why she'd be kind of pissed about this. Well, the whole thing, because he told her he was going to tell her everything. He told her last night, I will tell you, or this morning, he told her. He said, I'll tell you everything. And then he goes, I and making a bad choice by telling you anything. Um, And she says, I get to make that choice. I get to make a choice about what's right for me. And this is where he goes back and he says that when they first met, he told her too much. And I think he sees that that led to so much strife in his life and her life and maybe their life. Certainly his life with West and everything. And yeah, still, that, I don't know how he expects to maintain this secret. He, She's not some wilting flower of a wife, too. She's like a, she's like a investigator. <laughs> I don't know how he expects her to accept that, but I guess he kind of does. I, well, I can't he, tell you because it'll hurt you. Okay, well, let's go home, honey. I, I, don't, ex- I don't see the end to that. Yeah, but... Well, 
And I get that. And I agree with you. At the same time, I think that she really wanted this relationship. I, they they showed us that, too, like in 1980. She wanted this relationship with him. And she's like, throw me under the bus. I didn't want anything from you. Sign your paper. I didn't want anything. Mm-hmm. I just want this relationship. And so now he's offering her this relationship. I'll quit. You quit. Let's put this behind us, but you're going to have to drop it. The price of that is you're going to have to drop this. You can't know this stuff. It's not good for you to know. It would only put you in danger. And if you're going to trust me and have this relationship with me, you're going to have to understand this part of it and trust me. Drop the sequel. Drop it all. Let's take our life in a new direction. Mm -hmm. And she agrees to it. And it was a successful thing because they showed us at the beginning they're happy and smiling at each other. And she's reading poetry in a class and he has a good job. Yeah. You know, Michelle, this is what this is secretly. This is what every man wants. (laughs) A woman to call him on his macho bullshit and get inside his sorry soul and heal him. It hardly ever happens in real life. I mean, it rarely happens where people stay married for years and years and their whole lives. But, I mean, sometimes it's it's failed because the woman doesn't push hard enough. And sometimes the man causes it to fail because he falls to his fear and pushes back too hard, maybe. Or they succumb to misunderstanding, like, well, fuck you. No, fuck you. And whatever. But I think this really makes Pizzolatto a great writer because... That whole undercurrent of thinking that makes me think about this while I'm watching a detective show that says, yeah, I wish this would happen to me in my life somehow. I I, I just really love this, that he generated that thought in me, you know, that this is what I want. This is what I would want as a woman who doesn't give up and pushes me past my stupid fears and my you, you can't talk to me like that. You know, I'm protecting you. I don't know. It's he's tapped into that somehow. He knows that. And this is more than a detective story to me. It's like I said, I think more of a relationship slash love story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I enjoyed the interaction between them, particularly maybe in this episode. It's just, it was frustrating for the other eight episodes to not get this. It's like we went through a lot to get this. Which I guess maybe is life too. Maybe makes him a little more valuable though, that it's that diamond buried under a lot of dirt and not just sitting on the open you know, open for everyone to see. It just took some work to get to it. But in the middle of this conversation they go to West, who's in a bar picking a fight with I mean, that was horrible. He just picked a fight. He just wanted to fight. And he got what he was going for. Pretty, pretty spectacularly, pretty, I mean, pretty funny and mean and brutal. Really mean. But you got to admit, very intelligently written, very, if you're going to get into a fight, this is a good way to do it. (laughs) There was no, no doubt that he was asking for that. And then we see him outside the bar and he's bloody and bruised and he has that bottle of Jack that still has the pour top on it. And then I started to cry. I literally started to cry because of that ratty little dog that comes up and he tries to run it off. Like he's kind of run everything else off in his life. And the dog stays there and comes over to him and he starts crying. And I was like, 
I cried with you. I cried with yeah, you. Was it was when they were shooting at the rats in the season one, episode one? Was it Roland who wanted to shoot, or was it Wayne who wanted to shoot and Roland stopped him? Which which was it, it? was West wanting to shoot, and Hayes stopped. So him. Roland is totally flipped from shooting yep. at coyotes and wildlife to loving animals who come to him and save him. The little ratty dog. Ugliest I mean, dog this... in Hollywood, Michelle. They had to search to find that dog. I, th- I think it was makeup. Dog okay, makeup? So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think they kind of teased his hair and everything. They made him look just so ratty. Okay, then we go to 2015, and Hayes and West are driving, and West says that he still has a friend in the DMV who helped him out with Junius Watts' address. And then, oh, I love that scene. What did you think about that, where they, like, circled the car? And we have 1990 Hayes and West in the car, and then we have, I think they might have even went back, I don't know if they went to 1980, but then they circled back around, and it was 2015 again. They were, like, looking in the rear view and seeing them. I just I just love that. And then we get to Watt's house, and he's there. He's feeding the chickens, and they got the guns drawn. They walk right up to him before he knows they're there. And we find out that it was him sitting outside Hayes' house all this time, that he wanted to go in. He was trying to get up the courage to go in and um, and tell him. Yeah, it wasn't Henry. It was another herring that I fell for that. Is Watts. Right. And then in the middle of that, they take us to 1990 Hayes. Um, no, it was 1980 Hayes, right? At his administration job when they put him in that admin job. Yeah, The Shield, Michelle. Did you see, did yeah. you watch that show? It's been so long. Yeah. Vic Mac- this is Vic Mackey, man, in that exact same room. <laughs> Not literally, but, you know, f- essentially, same situation, a hell for him. He's a, he's a prowler predator on the streets of Los Angeles, and now he's stuck in a room. And this is Wayne. He's stuck now. He's a, he's a manhunter, and he's stuck in a room with petty rules. Just just brilliant. I mean, I don't know. I, I picture Pizzolatto watching The Shield in 19-whatever, 2001 or whenever the hell it was on. And so emasculating to be in there after... All women and him. Yeah. And every time somebody comes in, hey, Wayne, type me up this report I need. Right. Yeah. Yeah, really bad. You can see the stress and you can see, like, the realization kind of dawn on him of what, of, you know, the changes. You're not making but, a personal call, are you? Right. But then we go back to Watts, and he's telling Hayes and West about Hoyt's chicken farm and how he moved into Hoyt's house to manage his estate and uh, what happened to his wife, Ellen, that she had Isabel, and then she got sick, and he helped raise Isabel. And then she went to college. She got pregnant, and she had Mary. Then the accident where her husband and daughter went off the mountain and that she got really bad. She... And it was devastating to him and to Hoyt. It was devastating. She was put on lithium, and Hoyt couldn't stand it. So he started traveling. And then one night, she got away. She smashed her car. We have to kind of assume that she did it on purpose, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And Harris James was the policeman. He's the one that helped keep it quiet. And then right after that, there was the employee picnic in 79 and she saw Julie through the window and she run out, ran out and tried to grab her. And 
then she can't get the child off her mind. Watts takes Lucy off the line and talks to her about letting Isabel hang out with Julie a little bit. And Lucy will do it, but they're going to have to pay her, and only if Will can come along, too. And they're kind of showing us these little clips of this stuff, too, during, you know, during this. So um, they would meet up with them, and Isabel got to be her old self again. And then she decided she wanted to adopt her. And she stopped taking her medicine, and they were playing hide-and-seek, and that's why why Will couldn't find Julie is because they were playing hide-and-seek, because we needed to know that. And I don't know that they really told that story really well, because remember, he was looking for Julie, but maybe he was just looking for, hey, have you guys seen Julie? I can't find Julie. Maybe it was a hide-and-seek thing, but... Um, he fell backward. She grabbed for Julie when Will found her and was like, Julie, Julie, he's grabbing for her and Will fell backward. And we find out it was just, just an accident. And we see that it was actually Julie that placed his hands in that position, which was interesting to me. I'm glad they showed us that because she was there at his communion stretches the believability a little bit that Julie would just accept this. Like, Oh no, no, we got to call an ambulance for my brother. Like she just thinks he's asleep. I mean, that stretched a little bit of my believability in that, but, and then she just drops the doll. It doesn't really, it's not a clue. It's not a, tra it's not a tracking thing. It just, she casually drops the doll. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, fell out of whatever she had or I mean you know I, I I don't know but they made it look like the dolls were on a path that right Hayes followed the path of a couple dolls to find this cave I don't know right Not well yeah but I mean you know things could be left behind accidentally it could just be the dropping you know I mean that so it's it's believable enough to me the way they it was like they were positioned almost but but it could be that just in the hurry to get out of there that she dropped the doll. But Julie freaked out and Watts told her that, that he was fine and then brought him up to the cave. And then we find out that that day, because he's like, then Julie was okay. But we find out that Isabel had given her the lithium. So I don't know at what point she did that. Maybe that's why Julie was okay with it. Yeah, I don't know if she was being fed lithium at the time that she first got grabbed. That's why I'm questioning it. But I could right. see, I mean, introducing a drug, I don't know what lithium does to you, but it seemed like it zoned Julie out that she didn't care. She was just happy to be able to draw in her pink room for a couple of years. Right. Well, Harris James took Will's backpack and Julie's shirt, and he's the one who planted it. We find that out. And Hayes asks him about Lucy, and Harris talked to her, explained about the accident, offered her a lot of money, said they should let Isabel have Julie like they had talked about. They talked about it before, only it happened this way, and this is what it was, and it was an accident, and we should go ahead with it. And because of that pile of money, um, she took it. Yeah, Lucy's the worst. That is the worst. And she sat there with Tom, and she let Tom agonize over this for years and years and years. She let him destroy himself over this. And that is as bad almost as her selling Julie. I mean, she 
sold Julie. She let this town go through this. And she let Tom, who loved Julie and took care of her from the time she was a baby, agonize and essentially die over the it's, it's horrible okay anyway so you're we find, you don't like that michelle i don't like that so that was we knew she had something to do with it we they, they had led us down that path but to find out that she so cold-bloodedly did that i don't know something about seeing that and watching yeah, her at, that be, table at was best awful. she didn't care and at worst she was like part of it and it looks like she was really a pretty big part of it but Julie was happy for years in the room. Watts says he keeps saying that, you know, the little girl was happy. The little girl was happy. Um, but then, of course, he realized later that Isabel had been feeding her va- uh, not Valium, lithium. Still, Watts, Watts is another point of contention for me because still he has to know he can't buy a child and keep them in a room. Uh, he he seems like they're painting him as a good guy, like I'm concerned about this child. But he was locking up somebody else's child in a room with another family for two years, too. So, it was longer than two years, but yeah. I don't, paint, I don't think I can accept Watts as a good guy. And I think he knew it because when they came to him, he, he's like, okay, I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for my comeuppance. I don't know. I guess he... I guess he justifies it somehow, but I don't know. Yeah, it, he is, I don't know who's worse, him or Hoyt, her dad, Isabel's dad. I don't know who's worse, or Lucy. I mean, you know, we have like this string Lucy's of... Lucy's worse. Lucy, okay. But then well, who? no, I'm serious. Who's she's, next? she's start. you know, Watts and Hoyt continued this, but... Uh, Lucy's her mother. I don't know. But I then, think Lucy's the worst person in this whole story. No, I mean, I, I agree with that because Lucy had the, um, she was supposed to be the one to protect her. But who's next? Would it be Watts or would it be Hoyt? Well, what if Watts would have found Julie? She was supposed to run away to his house and to then what end? He's, she lives with him. I mean, what if he finds her? He's looking for her. Right. The nuns have to protect her. What if he finds her? What happens to Julie? Watts, I don't know. I can't paint him as a good guy. No, I don't think he's a good guy either. I don't think Hoyt's a good guy. I don't think any of this. what I'm saying. I don't think any well, of them so are good. So maybe that's my answer to you. Lucy's worse, then Watts, then Hoyt. Because Hoyt, Hoyt's protecting his daughter. Watts is, just a, Watts is doing this for money, essentially. He's a, an employee. I don't think he did it for money. I think he loved Isabel. I think that was his family. I think we see all this stuff that people are doing to protect their family. And I really feel like that to him, Isabel was his family. He says he raised her. And So, Michelle, if your daughter loses a daughter, God forbid, would you help her get another daughter from another family? And because she's your daughter protect her and make her happy even though somebody else has to suffer no absolutely not i I mean of course not i mean of course you wouldn't do that it's just if it's done and that's your only family imagine the position that would put you in to lose that person as well and you have to think about what i mean you don't have to think so watts blows the whistle on Julie just goes to the police. Hey, this is wrong. You can't do this. You can't kidnap a girl. 
and he loses his job, why didn't he do that? No, he loses his family because Isabel was his family too. Watts isn't sitting at home with his wife and children. His whole life was tied up with Hoyt. I know, but that's why I try to make the correlation to you and your daughter and stuff. Your your family. <clears throat> Somewhere in there there's a right and a wrong. Oh, there you absolutely is. You can't just excuse is. it because it's family. No, you can't, but you have to just think about the position that these people were put in once this stuff happened. Well, Watts is more removed from family than Hoyt is cuz Hoyt literally it's his daughter. Watts is kind of, of yeah, kind of, but kind of not, because Hoyt was the one who took weeks-long, maybe months-long safaris and got out and lived his life and left Watts there with her. You know, family's a lot more than just blood. So I don't know. I mean, I sympathize with him, and at the same time, of course, it's evil. But I sympathize with the choices that he had to make and how— hard it would have been to do the right thing, which he didn't do. Mm -hmm. But he had continued to say, like I was saying, that Julie was happy, and then he realized that Isabel was feeding her lithium, and Isabel was getting sicker and sicker, and Julie was grown. I mean, she left, she was grown, what, 16, 17, right? It looked like when she left and he thought she was going to, he left her, he left the door. She wanted to leave and he's like, okay, she wants to leave now. Let's let her leave. And he left the door open, left a map to his house. And you're right. I hadn't even thought about that. To to what end? What was he going to do then? Yeah, probably just a way station. Like you, the first stop you got to make after you escape from this estate is go somewhere. So here's my map to my house. I don't think he planned to like keep her there. but No, no, no. But I mean, we kind of have to assume that he was going to what? Then take her back home or help her set up a life or something. Yeah, I don't something. know. But um, that's not what happened. She took off. Which, do you think she would have? you think that's believable? That she would have run away? Yeah. Yeah, In place of, of going to him? Because she didn't know anybody. I mean, there's no Stockholm Syndrome or anything associated with this. It, you would think she, I mean, she's in a nightgown and shakes off running across a field and isn't seen until 1997. Well, it adds to my perception of Watts as kind of not a good guy because why not go to this guy who's helping you? She was so afraid of even him that she didn't want his help, that she would, would go out into the, like literally the woods, the wilderness, instead of even going to Watts. Well, and we also have to remember how drugged up she was because all of her friends that had hung around her that they have interviewed talk about <clears throat> how she didn't make a lot of sense. You know, the pink princess and the girl in the pink room, and it just seems kind of nonsensical as they talked about it. Those nuns also had a take on Watts enough to hide Julie from him to make her appear to have passed away. So there's something about Watts that... It's pretty bad that people... I don't think it was Watts. I think it was Hoyt and his gang that were coming after her. Yeah, but doesn't Watts... Doesn't, don't they say that Watts finds Julie in the nunnery at, in 1997 and she's yes. in Mary July? So the nuns knew that Watts was after her. And so you're just saying the nuns thought Watts was an agent of other worse people. That's why they hit her? I think so. 
Yeah, but but I also think that that Hoyt was looking for her maybe too. But well, I yeah, don't know. Watts is Hoyt. Hoyt is Watts. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, but but not really because I think Watts. You know, or Hoyt, Hoyt was saying to Wayne in 1990 that if they found her, he'd essentially have to silence her. Yeah. Because it would have destroyed everything. But to the, th- to the, wor- to the unknowing world, to nuns in a convent, Watts and Hoyt are equal. Right. They're equally right. They evil. W- no, right. She tells them somebody's after her and that's that. But, but yeah, he found her in 1997 and then, we see Hayes and West in the convent speaking with a nun about Mary July and that she had HIV. And then we go back to Watts and Watts is upset saying um, something she did on her own. It got her sick. And he kept saying, I told her I'd meet her and he didn't want to live with this anymore. He tells them that he wants them to, you know, that, that he can't live with this, take me in or kill me. And this is where Hayes tells me he doesn't have the authority to take him in. And Watts says, if you don't want to live with it, and he looks at his guns over on the wall and he says, don't. Watts feels nothing for this guy. Watts, he's cold. You know, West feels nothing for him, for Watts. West, sorry. Yeah, West. Yeah, and this might explain a little bit more about the Indian guy, too. Like, Wayne had to kill that guy, but now they're not going to do it for Watts. They're not going to take that responsibility that he needs to take for himself and take care of himself. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because Hayes didn't want to do that anyway, but kill Woodard. But then we see Hayes and West at Julie's gravestone. Mary July, she died on December 10th, 1995. I was really, really did not like this. It felt very unsatisfactory to see this. And they're talking to to her and telling her what her name was and how sorry they were that they didn't do better by her. It was just really, it was sad, but it was unsatisfying too. So that nun Michelle was the girl on the bed that Amelia interviewed when they were... Oh, back. was it? Okay. She has a birthmark on her cheek that the nun Right. Has. Okay. So that girl became a nun. That's interesting. I did not I did not put that together. Okay, so then we go to 2015 and Hayes and West are walking out of the convent and they meet up with Mike, who has the daughter Lucy, who runs into him. And I knew there was something, right? I mean, you know then something. And I thought that was all they were gonna give us, right? was that mm-hmm. but at well least the little girl something. looks just like julie and then the name lucy that that was just like the lock the tumblers right. clicking in but at the same time would julie have named her daughter after her mother who sold her of course i guess she never knew that sure i i think she might she i think there's a huge Ability for forgiveness and your mother, no matter how evil, is probably always your mother. So, yeah, I think probably. Well, yeah, but when you name a child after somebody, it's because of, of course, a great affection for that person. Yeah, I get it, but still. Okay. So then we're back at 2015 and Hayes and West are cleaning up and um, saying maybe they'll write a book about it. They have an ending now. West asks if Hayes feels like there's any kind of closure because he doesn't, and then they're like, no, and I didn't either. And then they talk about that Rebecca's coming back into town. 
West has been invited to dinner. Um, and then West talks about um, staying there. Moving in with them, yeah. Yeah. And Hayes is open to the idea. And so that was, I don't know, that was kind of interesting. That's, they're both lonely and Hayes doesn't need to be alone. It's so, a perfect happy ending. Like these two guys being like roommates and a yard full of stray dogs is like their exercise every day. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's a perfect solution to both of them. But then West leaves and Hayes turns out the light and there's a knock on the door and it's 1980 Amelia asking him what, what, the, or, or there's not, and, and it's Amelia and she's asking him what they're doing. Um, he's not returning her calls. Is he playing games? Um, this was, this was ugly scene, right? He completely blamed her. For everything that happened, even though it was his fault, I think once he got in that room, once he realized the price he was going to have to pay for protecting her, he was mad. And I think he was also mad that he liked her so much that he was willing to give up everything to protect her. Yeah, everybody's right. They're both right. They're both correct in this argument that they have, this blame-throwing argument. They're both they're both actually right. He did prompt her to do this. She did it. Then he didn't like the consequences. And she is a pretty bird flying around shitting on people, Michelle. She is. She gets what she needs by being attractive. She got it from the Oklahoma cops. And, you know, she Mm -hmm. is. She is that he's right about that. But he's wrong about totally blaming her for it. No, I don't think that's what she did. The situation presented itself. I know that that's kind of how they showed that, but I just don't see it that way. The situation presented itself. That needed to be said. That article needed to be written. But she does get favor from people because she is pretty and she has an advantage over... uh, What did the guy in the bar call... What did he call the guy in the bar's girlfriend? Amelia's a pretty woman, and she gets things because she's that way. She's persuasive and pretty. But that doesn't mean there's anything. Look, just because somebody reacts to you based on your looks doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. I know, but Michelle, guys think this way because it's often true. And Wayne is putting words to this thought. You get this because you're a pretty bird, and you just to get what you want, and then you shit on people. Well, Wayne, you told me to do that. I mean, they're both right. They're both correct in this. No, I, I mean, I, I guess. I mean, I guess if if you really want to look at it like that, but I didn't see that she did anything to him. You know, she didn't. Um, nothing she did was intentional to him. That's true. And nonetheless, he's... Well, then how is that shitting on him? It's not. Because he's he's in a situation now. You're right. I mean, you and I are both right in this argument, too. She's done something that he asked her to asked her to do. And then when she does it, he doesn't like the consequences. And he's calling it being shit on by her. But that's... that's, That did happen. And just because she's pretty, I mean... That's not like her fault. That's not something that she's done to 
to affect something. It's just the way it is. He was manipulated by her beauty, but that doesn't mean she manipulated him. You want to think about that sentence? He's manipulated. I know. It's just, it just how it is. It's one of those how it is things that she got what she needed because she was persuasive and pretty. And he's putting words to that thought. But that's not her fault. It's like I'm not saying he, it's her fault. It's just I'm saying that's how no, it is. No, but it's his fault. He did something based on her looks. And because he did maybe or his feelings for her based on her looks or whatever, he got close to her because she was pretty and now he has these feelings. However you want to do it and now he's mad that he did that. But but she didn't do it. She was just there. And everything about her, he encouraged. And then he was mean. He's like this mean drunk. He starts it early. But she had to stop her story. Her second book had to be shelved to end this, to save trouble from happening. Because if she had written it, it would have caused more trouble. It would have been more shit raining down on people. Right. Watts says it to her at the book reading. You just, you get benefits from other people's sorrow. It's how it is it's just one of those how it is things i know you no, don't like hearing that i don't but. it's so it's so unfair to say that she he told her to write the first story and she wrote it he told her stop the second book and she stopped it she respected him and what he said and the fact that he's mad at her about this is really frustrating to me well, he's because mad that the consequences of what he told her to do put him in a situation that he didn't like. That's what right. he's really mad at. He's, 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 it's, it's meriting, it's, it's, it's evidencing itself in her being the target of his anger. But he's really mad at what happened because of what he told her to do more than being mad. I mean, he asked her to marry him in the next breath, right? Pretty soon. Well, it's not the next, no, not in the house, but pretty soon thereafter because he's he has these feelings for her and he's mad about that he didn't want that he didn't want these feelings so he's mad about her but i do think they showed us that she was writing the sequel which really didn't have anything to do with anything and that she stopped writing it when he asked her to. She dropped that whole thing and went on to something else. And they had shown us, they showed us very clearly that as she was writing this article, he gave not only his blessing, but his encouragement on it. And she did it because he asked her to. She was not the bad guy. She was respectful of him and his wishes in this. And he, But he also protects her, Michelle, by quitting his job so that he doesn't have to publicly embarrass her and refute her refute her he he you don't like some things he does but you have to like that about him that he protects her that way yeah and he protects him he he protects their ability to go forward together in the future by doing that too well that was to protect julie i think more than anything he could have told everything he knew, but if he did, that would have been to Julie's detriment. Mm, I see that as and, protecting and his family. Well, his family and his kids and everything too, obviously. But well, she wasn't his family at that point. She was just a girlfriend, right? No, in nineteen ninety, she was his family. I know when but he when met they... with Hoyt. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, yeah, and honestly, part of that was starting to get confusing to me, too. I was like, not until episode seven did the timeline start to blur, but there was so much information to try to keep up with with what was going on with their relationship and stuff that it did start to blur a little bit with me. But she, he's got her stuff boxed up. He's ugly, says ugly, ugly things to her. He and, boxed her stuff up for her, and that was pretty nice. Hmm. I'm being wise guy now. You're out of here, yep. baby. Take your box. She, I like how she's tough, though. She's like, I don't want that garbage. I'll take this one thing. She takes one thing. Right. What, what did she take out of the box? I don't know. I couldn't. A, a, a scarf or something? I don't know. And then she just leaves it. I don't want that junk. Okay, then we go to 2015 and Hayes is asleep. And um, he gets up and he starts to put up more stuff. Or he's in bed, anyway. He gets up starts to put up more stuff. And um, he knocks Amelia's book to the floor and it falls open to a page and he starts to read. And it's a passage about this Mike Ardwin and how he always thought he'd marry Julie when he grew up and the light changes and we see Amelia there and she's saying all that. I mean, she's speaking still in these like poems is how she speaks. And what if the ending isn't really the ending at all? And what if Julie did find the convent? And what if Mike recognized her, even if she didn't recognize herself? And what if the nuns cared enough about her that they knew there were bad people looking for her and they protected her in the only way they could by telling a story? And then Hayes remembers Lucy, the little girl, and Amelia keeps talking and saying, what if there was another story? What if something went unbroken? She's doing this kind of speak. And then Amelia's gone. The light changes and Hayes is freaked out. He gets on the phone, getting an address for Mike Ardwin. So Michelle, I got some dumb questions here. So do do you think Julie knew that Mike was Mike, little Mike from school? I don't think she did at first. I think he had to probably reorient her to everything but 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 we know he did right he did reorient her because she named her daughter lucy Mm -hmm. so you think that had to come from mike and it didn't her memory just didn't come back to her no i don't i don't think so i mean mean, so when he walks past her at the convent when they're both whatever 20 he doesn't. She doesn't look at him and go, "Oh, that's Mike Ardon from class." I remember, you don't think that you think it was just a boy-girl thing and not a Mike and Julie from third grade thing. I think Mike recognized her, but I think she had been drugged for so long and had such a hazy memory of her past that she. This is just what I'm thinking, based on when they showed us and her, she's looking at him. Because she, she gives didn't. him kind of a love at first sight look. Then, if she doesn't recognize right. him as Mike, the guy who was used to swoon over me right. she likes him as a 20 year old then at, at first glance right all right which is kind of cool but i mean you can imagine the way he's looking at her well we saw but then you can imagine the way he's looking at her and all the feelings that are coming up even if she hadn't been his julie she reminded him of his julie and you can imagine the feelings that would have come up in him for this and how that would reflect in her looking back at him. I don't know. I just kind of like drew this whole picture. In yeah, my mind. you're reading something into that. I know. I think I am. 
Okay, so we see Hayes alone in the car with a sticky note driving to Mike Ardwan's place. He pulls up to this pleasant house with flowers and toys, and he turns off the car, and then we get the weird music, and he has no idea what he's doing. He calls Henry. He's lost. He's in a car, and um, Henry wants him to find somebody and find out where he is, so he gets out of the car. He goes up. He talks to her. They give him some water, and then I put here, I put, I'm loving and hating this scene. I love that we see them together, and I hate that he doesn't know, and I did not get that he did remember. Yeah, he has to know. That's the profound note that strikes in this story, that he has to know for a second, even if it's said that he forgets it. But if he never knows, it's the story loses like 90% of its being profound. Yeah, but he didn't have to know in that memory. He was sitting in the car and they walked out. He knew then, before his memory left. They haven't shown his memory go in and out and in and out like that before. So I just think that was a stretch to say, as he was drinking the water, he suddenly knew and then it was gone again. Well, so you think he knew when he pulled up to the address that it was that it was Julie and Lucy? Yes. I th- well, yeah, I think he knew right. well, that's when Amelia told him. It doesn't matter him. when you right. think he knows, as long as you right. know that he knew he found Julie. Right. Not just some girl that, you know. No, 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 no. I think he knew from the moment. I think it all hit him when Amelia was talking to him. And he remembered Lucy, the little right. girl. Well, and then when he too. drove up, sure. sure. I think oh, if you yeah. go and rewatch that scene when he drinks the water and he looks at them, that they do that such it's as close above his face i mean just just that seemed like the moment to me but i guess it doesn't really matter no it's kind of sad that we didn't get to see it with west but that's okay too i think because we have to assume that he will know this is all going to come out and i think it that they showed us hoyt's estate being gone and just in, in ruins now because there's no one left to even care for Hoyt's estate. There's no one left to care what happened with Julie. So there's no danger to her anymore. And so they can know her and know that she's okay mm-hmm. without it causing any kind of problem with her safety. But Henry drives up, picks up his dad. Becca has this, um, you know really sweet conversation with him as they drive home. We don't really get any closure with any of that, but, um, but it's, it's sweet. It's nice. And his face lights up. And I love seeing 2015 Hayes face light up. Pretty clever that, that Becca has to drive Wayne cause they have two cars now. Cause Henry and Becca came and that right. puts Becca and Wayne together alone that they can have this conversation. Right. 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 Because for a minute I was like, well, where's Henry? I know he showed up. And then I was like, oh, okay. He had to drive the other car home. And then we see Hayes is playing with the grandkids and he, or, um, he, he gives, or the grandkids are playing. He gives Henry the slip of paper with Julie's address on it. And Henry starts to throw it away. And then he doesn't, he sits there and holds it and he looks at it and he puts it in his pocket. So that to me was everything. It's like, okay, 
we will get some closure with this. We will find all of this out. If he had thrown it away, it wouldn't have been nearly as satisfying. Mm-hmm. Wes pulls up and off, he's offered tea. And then we see like the grandkids, which was really cool, riding the bikes down the road, just like Will and Julie. It's so cool. This full circle thing. And then we go back to 1980 and, oh, oh, and, and they're happy, you know, they're happy. They have some peace. We've got like some, some contentment there, but then we go to 1980 and, and West has the ugliest dog in Hollywood with him. Same dog. Is it the same dog? No, I'm kidding. It's, it oh, looks like a, it looked like a, it looked a like a relative version. of that dog. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he likes those stringy long haired dogs. He just, I mean, it's precious. That was so precious. Okay, 1980, Amelia comes up to Hayes in the VFW, and he's kind of hateful to her here. Um, she says she doesn't tolerate people speaking like that to her and blah, blah, and they go through all that. He apologizes. He hasn't been himself, but he thinks he wants to marry her. And she tells him to sober up and think about how he's going to propose and they hold hands and walk out into the bright sunshine. And then it immediately goes to Hayes back in the army, walking through the jungle. Yep, alone. Some, some sort of a metaphor that he's always going to be alone, fighting his way through jungles. And especially his jungle now is his dementia, I think. I think it's a metaphor for what he's facing now. Well, and how how his whole life was this struggle and how he struggled alone for a lot of it. I think you're right. Always looking over his shoulder and never knowing who he could trust kind of. Um, so the song that music that plays during that scene in the jungle is St. James infirmary blues. And it's a story about a soldier who loses his money on prostitutes and then dies of venereal disease, Michelle. Oh no! <laughs> so I, I don't know why I picked that win. song, <laughs> but that's a pretty good. That song matched the mood of that jungle scene. So it could have went a whole different direction. So that was it. What do you think of the whole season three? I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. I thought they. I thought it was almost better than season one in a lot of ways. Season one was so new, and um, so it was good because of that. But I I thought they, they improved on it. I loved it. I don't think they need to be compared. I just hope in the future that, I don't know, I hope that story writers and showrunners don't need to Reddit-proof their projects like I think right. I said Pizzolatto did here. Right. I mean, we're we're in this world now where everybody that's the water cooler, the the Reddit forum. Right. I don't think you need to do that. I think you just tell your story. Um but, but we have to compare these seasons, right? Because um I was talking to a friend last night and um I said something about watching True Detective and she said um, oh, is that back on? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, yeah, after season two, I just didn't, you know, even look for it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think, so you have to compare it, you know? Just don't to- just don't have a character who comes on the 
season that says, hey, don't you think there's a greater conspiracy like season one? <laughs> like she didn't wow. literally say that, but don't don't in- inject that much sure. artificial reference to red herrings. I agree. I completely agree. Too many, too many red herrings in this. I God, agree. Michelle, I pounded you for thinking, Michelle, don't be stupid. They can't have red herrings like that. There has to be something. To, I mean, I was so wrong about that because they made it so convincing that I don't, I really dislike that. You know, they don't need that manipulation. But you were right. It was totally f- a fake out. And it was still enough. It was still evil enough. That's what I liked about it. It can be evil without being huge. And it can be nasty, horrible, big evil without it being huge. Michelle from TN, always loving the evil. No, hating the evil, but... All right, Michelle, what's our... That's it for this. What's our next project out of all our vast library of podcasts we do? Ugh. There's something, and I can't remember. Something's coming up in uh, the summer. The next good thing coming up on TV is Game of Thrones, but we don't do anything with that. No, you got to be like a genius to do anything. The affair. When does the affair come back on? It's not the affair. It's not the affair. What else? The slap. (laughs) It's definitely not the slap. Although we we did that one pretty um, pretty good. Yeah, Louis. Louis might have a re- resurgency. Who knows about that? I don't that. think so. Fargo. I think it might be Fargo. It's not the Americans. Not halt catch fire. Those we killed those off. It's either Better Call Saul. No, that's not coming. That's back usually January ish yeah. winter time. I don't know. Uh, we'll find something to Definitely do. Definitely not halt and catch fire. That's done. I think it might be Fargo coming back. Because I was reading something about something coming back. I'm pretty sure the... It's fire renewed. I think so. I'm pretty sure. But I can't remember. I I was looking and I know that there's something else of ours coming up. Do you think there'll be another true detective? Um, I would be surprised if there wasn't. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, some of these things we thought would be fine just to go on their way and end at certain points. I don't know. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked if it ended, but I don't see Pizzolatto just stopping. So no, I don't either. Okay. Fargo season four premiering in 2019. Um, it's got Chris Rock starring is what it says. When? Um, I don't see the date. I think I read somewhere summer, of uh, mm. 19. Well, that'll be good. All right, Michelle. Well, this has been fun doing this with you. And thank you for uh, being such a good partner. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's been great. I'm really happy to have done some really interesting TV. It's been really great. Um, we've stammered through some not so great TV for, for a little while. And, um, it's been really nice to have something we could sink our teeth into. And thanks to our listeners that helped us find answers to things that we got <laughs> wrong and helped us celebrate things we got right. And Absolutely. we got some pretty smart fans out there, so that's pretty fun. Really smart, for sure. So um, just look for us on Twitter and 
like watch your favorite show, we'll probably do some podcast about it. Yeah, we're going to be doing something uh, coming up pretty soon. A little take on Shaft, right? Yeah, we'll have to figure that out, the timing for that. Yeah, yeah, but but we'll have some stuff coming up. For All right, sure. Michelle. Well, good job. We'll, uh, we'll see you on the airwaves next time. And we'll see you next time, Mike. Bye. Bye-bye.